0: Welcome to The Blast From Our Past Podcast. We're the podcast that gives you nostalgia, and you love it. And we give you full-on breakdowns of movies from our nostalgic younger days. We give you reviews of TV shows. And we do castings or recastings of those shows, or whatever the fuck we want. I'm Adam. I'm John. Are you the guys that ordered The Male Stripper? Uh, I'm him. I'm him. Oh, you're our stripper. In fact, you're not just a stripper. You're a professor stripper. I would like to welcome Professor James Biddle. This is a man who is near and dear to my heart. He is a friend and mentor. He was my professor back at the University of Georgia who helped teach me how to edit and do production and why I moved out to LA and shit. You really fucked that up. Like, you you suck. (laughs) I've only, I've only been working in the industry for 10 years, but uh, Biddle, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Oh, wow. I am a dumb farm kid from Indiana who watched just a lot of old, bad movies on television and ended up going to Syracuse University, ended up in the movie industry, and now I'm teaching and ruining the lives of good people like you. Yes, yes. Uh, you are quite
0: talented at that. At ruining our lives. I live for it. I'm pretty sure his life was over before he met you.
1: Any any mortar you can put on those bricks, just, you know, slap it right on, so to speak. Yeah.
0: <laughs> one thing that is special about Biddle and myself, we are the only people with tattoos about our program at the University of Georgia. Biddle just got yeah. your big tattoo. I saw that, that you posted, mm-hmm. uh, your 136 tattoo, and I got one for my group a while ago. Yeah. And so we have scarred ourselves because of... This program that uh, he runs and that I have graduated from, it's uh, it's fantastic.
1: We've bled, we've cried, we've vomited in the streets. (laughs) It's exactly what it should be.
0: Every type of liquid that can come out of a human body has... Thanks to you. <laughs> this is making me uncomfortable. Oh, that that, that was the plan, you know. Oh. This episode was a special request by you, Biddle. Yes, it was. We are going to do 1986 Big Trouble in Little China for our full movie review. We are going to review the TV show from 1984 called The Master starring Lee Van Cleef. And then we're going to do a recasting of Big Trouble in Little China. I was
1: really hoping you two had never even heard of it or seen it that and just maybe watched a couple of episodes.
0: Exactly what happened. I've yep. never heard of this fucking show. What the hell?
1: Explosive so- vowel movements of humor on that show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll definitely try and get into it come that portion, but like so people know, why did you choose the master?
1: Well, I mean, we're we're doing big trouble in Little China, and it's like, what martial arts show am I gonna find on TV at the time that was almost comparable to Manimal at that point? Oh my god. (laughs) You know. Let's have Agent Spaghetti Western star Lee Van Cleef and Show Kasugi and a Van Patten and Crystal Barnard. Yeah, I mean, this is a recipe for success. Yeah, for one one season of success, if you will. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was, oh my God. And you just, you. I remember sitting there watching it as a kid, even at that point, knowing it was a train wreck. <laughs> you know, let's go six degrees of Kurt Russell separation. Yes. You know, Lee Van Cleef being in Escape from from New York.
0: So there is that John Carpenter, Kurt Russell tie-in. So it does it does fit, absolutely. John, yes. 1986, this had to be a pretty good year. Big Trouble Little China came out.
2: What else happened? Oh, it was a fantastic year. Uh, Grammy that year for Album of the Year is, I think, one of the greatest albums ever made. It's uh, Graceland by Paul Simon. I'm going to
1: Graceland, graceland I'm Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going Graceland.
0: absolutely amazing album. You can
2: listen to it from top to bottom. I
0: never turn that off once I get it started. The way the album is
2: structured is just as important. It's not just that that songs are good it's the order that the songs, you know, back when creating an album was an art. Not (laughs) just slapping all the songs together. It's a complete thing that we've lost in society which I think is unfortunate. It's just listening to it through. There is a ebb and flow. These kids nowadays, these fucking get off my lawn kids, (laughs) will never understand. Top grossing movie of that year is one that we may or may not get to, but I think it's one of the greatest movies of the 80s uh, Top Gun came out it's it's on our big big list of eventual things to do 1986 was the year that the very first Marvel movie came out Adam do you know which one that was was it the very shitty Captain America movie no it was Howard the Duck oh that's right Howard the Duck I should have known that one uh, which bombed the box office and netted just under one million dollars in profit <laughs>
0: <laughs> leah thompson though oh my god leah thompson's so cute she
2: fucked a Wait, duck
1: disgraceful <laughs> film on a great character disgraceful
2: disgraceful 1986 was also the release of the video game Legend of Zelda.
0: To this day, I've still never played a single Zelda game.
2: I've only played a few, and I know a lot of people who know the music from Zelda more than they actually know the game. Mm.
0: I know they're fantastic, and I know I would like them. I'm now an adult, I don't have time for fucking video games anymore, it sucks! Lastly,
2: 1986 saw the release of the great graphic novel The Watchmen by Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, and John Higgins. Fantastic. If anybody hasn't read it out there, highly
0: recommend. Let's just go ahead and get on in to Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. 1986, this movie was directed by John Carpenter, who is one of the all-time great horror kind of action directors. He did Halloween, The Thing, They Live, The Fog, Escape from New York. You know John Carpenter's work. It was written by Gary Goldman, who also wrote the fantastic film Navy Seals <laughs> uh, and Total Recall. <laughs> Ooh, Navy Seals. Uh, and then also written by David Weinstein, who has not written anything else. The music was also John Carpenter. who He tends to do a lot of his own music in his film. And you can kind of tell, like, if you know the music from Halloween, I feel like you can kind of pick up John Carpenter's style pretty easily. cinematography was done by a guy that I have to mention Dean Cundey he mm-hmm. has done some amazing films he was on Jurassic Park Apollo 13 who framed Roger Rabbit hook all of the back to the future movies and then obviously like Halloween and, and I think Escape from New York, some of the other John Carpenter ones as well so yeah. I have to mention him because he's amazing this movie stars Kurt Russell as Jack Burton our kind of oafish lead you should know <laughs> Kurt Russell and overboard O-fish. Guardians too. Kim control is our Gracie
1: law if anybody knows she is the slutty one from Sex and the City. If I remember correctly, she was just coming off Porky's. She was Bambi in Porky's, and I think that's what everybody in my age group knew her as, was Bambi from Porky's. That really was
0: one of those early raunchy college movies, like, you know, kind of the Animal House, Revenge oh, of the God, Nerds, yeah. Porky's, uh-huh. like that area. And then that kind of think it continued down the line, too, with like Van Wilder, mm-hmm. uh, Euro Trip, all that kind of shit. We're going to have boobs, and you're going to have raunchy humor, and... College kids will love them. And when I was in college, I loved all of those movies.
2: You know, I actually just looked it up. Porky's was actually five years before this movie came out. So she did a few sort of like non-important ones in between. Actually, she did Police Academy.
1: Oh, that's right. But you know what
2: movie she did right after this one? Mannequin. Mannequin. Oh,
0: Mannequin. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if we'll get to it, but maybe. No, never. No,
1: don't. Yeah, don't do that to yourselves. Uh,
0: This film also stars Dennis Dunn as Wang Chi, who hasn't really done too much else. And then two of, I think, the best Characters in the entire film. James Hong, he played Lopan. James Hong is fantastic actor. He's been in tons of things, but John, do you know what I remember James Hong most as? Um, uh, No, what? He was the host at the Chinese restaurant in the Seinfeld episode of mm-hmm. Cartwright. Cartwright? Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: Cartwright? Excuse me, I- I'm expecting a call. Costanza? Yes, I just got a call. Uh, I yell. Cartwright, Cartwright, just like that. Nobody came up, I hang up.
0: That was James Hong. <laughs> Cartwright. Mm-hmm. I love him. But then also Victor Wong plays Egg Shen, mm. who does a fantastic job. I also maybe recognize Victor Wong. Uh, he played Walter in Tremors. Yes. And actually, I'm a big, big fan of the Tremors film.
1: I developed an early fascination with Victor Wong because if you look at the guy's history, he was like a journalist. He also hung out with the beat poets total renaissance human being. The things I remember him from, aside from this, Is he was in The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy.
0: Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that He was
1: in another great John Carpenter film with Dennis Dunn called Prince of Darkness. Oh, I don't know that one. Which is an amazing John Carpenter film. Alice Cooper's in it and he kills someone with a bicycle. (laughs) It is a phenomenal, just sort of like John Carpenter saying, hey, you guys want to just take a weekend and make a crappy horror film? Let's do it. And that's, it's really good. And uh, yeah, Dennis Dunn and Victor Wong are in that.
0: All right, let's dive into Big Trouble in Little China. We start off with this completely unnecessary scene. (laughs) It's Egg Shen talking to a lawyer. It kind of sets up that we're in San Francisco, Chinatown. Egg is kind of like defending Jack Burton. Kind of exposition even though it's after the fact. Some big shit went down and this random lawyer talking about magic and sorcery and Egg kind of shows him this lightning between his hands. This scene was actually added after the fact. It also doesn't come back. We don't come back to it at the end of the film. What we come back to is Jack in his truck, which is the, the scene right after this one, which makes a lot of sense if it started and ended with Jack right. Burton in The Pork truck of His Stress. Having this one added in you said later, yeah, that is unnecessary. I don't I don't need this. They
2: added it because the studio was afraid that Kurt Russell's character didn't look heroic enough. <laughs> which he certainly
1: what? doesn't. <laughs> was that the point? <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, it was kind of discussed on a and I have to mess it in the podcast because I kind of l- listened to it a while ago. The Cinefair Files podcast, um, which oh, I'm a yeah. huge fan of. They also reviewed this movie, and they also kind of pointed out, Jack Burton's not really the hero of this story. <laughs> no. No, it's it's certainly, it's it's Wang, it's it's even
0: Egg before Jack Burton. I mean, right. Jack Burton does some heroic things. He does a couple things, absolutely. Yeah, he's the sidekick, right. but he thinks he is the hero. But
2: since the studio needed to push Kurt Russell as the hero, they made, they made them add this scene in. After that one, we get into
0: the Pork Chop Express, and we kind of get some John Carpenter music going right now, and you can really... Really tell that that's his, this is John Carpenter music. So that's kind of driving. He kind of sets us up with some of these lines that kind of keep reoccurring. He keeps talking about that it's all in the reflexes. You know, that's something that kind of keeps mm-hmm. coming back, which is which is good. Jack, he's an interesting character. I think he is fun. He is incredibly non-dynamic. I think that's another thing that really helps show that he is not the hero. There is almost no journey that he goes on. He just <laughs> he's just along for the ride, and he doesn't
1: change. And you see that at the end. Yeah. Oh no. There's. I mean, just nothing. Yeah. It's no, he's he's coming off of of being snake Plithkin, which to me mm. i don't i i really don't like the character of snake Plithkin. i just look at that movie and i go oh what the hell is this and then he's <laughs> like he's what he's in the thing as like macready i think his name was he's just the total a-hole in that movie mm-hmm. everybody's mad at him you know everybody's mad at him and his character and i just feel like Carpenter just wanted to like let's just make him a doof let's <laughs> just make him just this complete doof that falls into this situation and he's He's like everything wrong about the 80s, that scale of guy that just doesn't know how to dress himself, mm-hmm. type of thing. Because if you look at what his character is wearing, if I remember correctly, he's like wearing a he's like wearing a drug rug, jeans, and those like those those elf boots yeah. with the tassels and a baseball cap. And it's like he's going on no journey in this movie whatsoever. We get situated a
0: little bit into Chinatown. We see Jack, he's gambling, we meet his friend Wang, who apparently they're old friends, and we see Wang as he's kind of down and upset, he's lost some money money to Jack, and Jack wants to get that money from him. He does a bet with this bottle that he thinks he can cut in half. Okay, what the fuck is this? Also trying to, I think, set up some of the mystical aspect of Chinatown in general, that he can cut a bottle right in half. He doesn't end up doing it, and he owes Jack even more money, and so that, that sets up at least our premise as to why Jack goes along for the ride. He's in it for the money, yeah. and Wang's gonna give him some money at first. But before Wang can pay up, he's gotta pick up his girl from the airport. He came for a long time ago from China, and this girl that he knew when he was much younger he's gonna fly her out here and marry that girl and he's in love with her and she's got green eyes and that's so rare yada 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 but he's in love and we see it that's true love and so that's i think why also shows why wang is much more of the hero because you get motion with him you get he's trying to save the person he loves where jack kim cattrall it's all about his dick you know (laughs) (laughs) he's just horny and and then he and he doesn't change
2: yeah
1: i mean Um, the airport scene absolutely
0: at the airport jack is just hitting on kim cattrall he doesn't think with more than one organ at a time he's trying to hit on her luckily she's too smart because she's a lawyer and her name is Gracie Law mm. i think that's <laughs> yeah it's come a on, stretch Carpenter, you can you can it's write better bit of a yeah. stretch <laughs> yeah uh, i'm surprised he wasn't Jack Trucker instead of <laughs> Jack Burton <laughs> yeah. you know like- it just would have made more sense while we're at the airport, this random street gang just happens to kidnap Miao Yin, who is the, the girl that Wang flies out here. A little bit of just coincidence. So they've taken her. Jack and Wang head to Chinatown because Wang knows where they're at. We get a very brief other introduction here of Egg Shen driving his tour bus in Chinatown. We didn't honestly need that little scene. Since we had that very first scene, I don't know if I even need this one because it just kind of like, I guess it shows he's driving a tour bus. Uh, yeah. Which he kind of told us
1: earlier. I think it's. Also, to make him sort of like he's kind of silly. Yeah, he's definitely eccentric. His job doesn't match how powerful he is. And next is the alley scene.
0: Oh. And. Jack and Wang drive their big truck into the alley. And this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire film. Oh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they kind of run a bit headfirst into like this funeral procession, this gang battle. There's a good gang and a bad gang. And the good gang is wearing like yellow and white. And the bad gang is wearing like red. We see this fighting group. They're the fighting tongs. And then these bad gang members coming up and the first member of that bad group that we see is Al Jong I love Al Jong (laughs) oh my god Al
1: that epic mustache and hair
0: he's a classic 80s villain he played Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure which we just talked about a lot of people remember him as
1: Endo from Lethal Weapon
0: in Die Hard as well he has been a villain who has died in like so many like 80s (laughs) action movies and he's just he's fantastic the
1: thing I love about this scene growing up is that it's almost Like John Carpenter took like two years worth of Black Belt magazine and Kung Fu magazine, put it down (laughs) on a desk, and said, "All of them. Bring me Dan Anasanto. Bring me, bring me Eric Lee. Bring me Gerald Okamura, who's the guy with the two guns that shoots the Chang Sing sign. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. I like him a lot. The bald dude with the epic mustache, who's beating the hell out of people for years. Daniel Wong, Lee Chang, all these people. Oh my God, this is everything we hid in our lockers next to our nunchucks that." used to hit ourselves in the heads with. <laughs> Let's dive
0: into this just very briefly, because you are a martial artist.
1: And a poor one at that, yes.
0: A poor one, yes. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you've been studying martial arts for a long time. Yeah. It doesn't fully surprise me that you chose a movie and a TV show that both have to do with martial arts to an extent. Oh, of course. How was it like seeing this stuff growing up? Because it was obviously something that you related to very closely. It
1: was not I mean, when you used to see the old Black Belt Magazine and Kung Fu Magazine and Karate Magazine, mm-hmm. three quarters of it was just ads for like you know house of nunchucks and they're like 95 different nunchucks you could get stars you could get commas you could get all kinds of crazy shit through the mail that used to be times square in manhattan drugs hookers karate supply drugs hookers karate (laughs) supplies i mean that's that's all it was drug tookers karate supplies you know it's like you want a butterfly knife the size of your head and all that and then you'd see all these articles on these crazy guys i'm gonna get 90 nunchucks and this thing <laughs> that flies out of my wrist i mean that's that's what it was in the back of, you know the golden age of those magazines so when we saw all these guys in one like Big freaking fight with a truck, you're just like kind of like eh, splooge. <laughs> so you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all hell is breaking loose. Yeah. It's a
0: lot of fun. It's just ridiculous. The fighting isn't incredible. This is not the best choreographed fighting film of, of all time by any means. Oh no, I think they were just having fun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're just they're just having a shit show. One thing I gotta point out though is the fight starts off with just a shit ton of gunfire. So you have like that guy who has like the two the bandoleros and, and the two pistols, just these machine guns people like kind of Tommy guns just going crazy in the truck we just have fucking Jack Burton whipping out and holding his knife kind of clutching it <laughs> for his life thinking he'll protect himself it's the literal epitome of bringing a knife to a gunfight yep. that just shows that Jack Jack's just an idiot <laughs> he's just a fucking idiot but it's like that's exactly what he does he's just like everyone else shooting each other up and crazy and he's just holding on to his little knife as if it's gonna save his fucking life and it is but I think that's like the epitome of that character oh yeah
2: I never quite understood why, you know, in a martial arts fight, you had guys with guns. Like, why you had a guy with bandoliers on. Yeah. And, <laughs> then, and then actually read that originally in the script, they were originally going to set this as a western. Oh. And then they reset it to modern times and it's like, well, we'll just leave the bandoliers in. Why not? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amidst this insanity, we also get this kind of green storm happening. These... Three badass people are going crazy. One is shooting lightning from his fucking hands and everything. There's these big ass hats, ridiculously huge hats, but I <laughs> loved. I love their look. Oh my Absol- god! the storms look is so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah iconic at this point. Jack, they're just trying to get out of there. Once the the three storms come, he floors the truck trying to get his way out of there. And the storms move out of the way, but not this fourth guy. Really weird looking Lopan, who we know who it is. And he's just like egging the fucking
1: truck to come on. I love
0: he just... (laughs) James... Hong, I don't think it's possible to ever have a better Lopan than James Hong.
1: Yeah, I got, yeah. He's just perfect Mm -hmm. for that role. (laughs) I had so much trouble with my casting.
0: Definitely tough. That's probably my least favorite one is is my Lopan, but we'll talk about it then. Jack runs over Lopan, who is honestly not phased by it. You know, he ends up shooting this light from his eyes and mouth and kind of blinding Jack for a little bit. The graphics, honestly, aren't anything good, but they're not bad. I actually quite like the graphic Mm -hmm. other than like the green storm the green storm looks pretty shitty but like the light coming from lopan's eyes the lightning on the storm lightning's uh character looked good things look solid it fits Mm -hmm. it's not bad it makes shit like you know monster squad and that fucking storm thing that they had on there look like a goddamn joke
1: i will never disparage the monster squad for any (laughs) reason (laughs) Uh uh-huh it will not Not happen much i see it will not happen (laughs) yeah it is my goonies (laughs) that is my goonies
0: john and I talked about it with our friend Cory. I know you did
1: a great show on it
0: thank you it was, uh, yeah. it was surprisingly decent I did not hate it <laughs> like I thought I might Jack, Wang, and others regroup in his restaurant Gracie Law shows up her line when she shows up I love it
2: what are you doing here? don't panic it's only me, Gracie Law
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every line is delivered 150% in this film, which makes it so fun. Because then everybody's just giving everything. You, you match Lo Pan's insanity, Jack Burton and his and Kurt Russell's ridiculousness, but Gracie Law. I think Kim Control does a really good job. She busts into the restaurant and says, "Don't worry, everybody, it's me, Gracie Law." As if it was like she's yeah. almost ready to do like a uh, stand and silhouette
1: thing in, in like in a theater. You know, the high the high back lighting behind her head, and she throws yes. off the hat and then tussles the hair. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we get a little bit of information on Lopan, basically that Miao Yin has been taken to this place where they sell women. Prostitute place, but they also, you know, kidnap straight off the boat and turn them so into So a hooters, basically. yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, they have yeah. great wings, though. We get another fun little scene. We get Jack Burton dressing up as a complete nerd. I've always liked Kurt Russell as Jack playing yeah. the nerd in this scene. That's actually his
2: exact costume from you, cars. Oh my god, you're right.
1: I never put two and two
2: together on that. I think I've seen it once and I do remember it being funny. That movie is incredible. <laughs> you got Lenny and Squiggy in it.
0: I uh, will have to check it out. So as Jack is in there trying to buy Meow Yin, he's focusing trying to get the girl with green eyes. We see this big green storm starts over the building and then boom, the three storms bust in. They end up kidnapping Meow Yin and Jack kind of gets his ass kicked. He gets flung by rain, I think.
1: That is one of the consistent things about this movie is the character yeah. of Jack Burton basically delivering <laughs> terrible one liners and getting his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, that, that,
0: that's consistent. Yeah. But the storms leave, and now Wang and Jack want to go find Lopan because he's taken Miao Yin. They sneak into the Wing Kong Trading Company. It's the thing that Lopan owns. Here we get Egg Shen mm-hmm. meets up with Gracie Law and the others at the restaurant. We kind of get some more information about Lopan and like his backstory. He's kind of like a ghost who plays it being a man. I I like that line you know yeah. that he's like in a living between two worlds setting up more of the mysticism and the sorcery and the magic around this world we've got a chinatown in la like i really want to just go down there and see what's cooking <laughs> i gotta see if we have like a little mini low pan something happening mini Lopan. pan oh my god i don't think it's as good as san francisco's chinatown but we've got we have to have some magic here it's la right? i'm sure We get cut back to the trading company, and Wang and Jack find like a secret elevator that they go down, and then shit starts flooding. They kind of have to swim their way out of it. We kind of get these reoccurring different hells. There's a lot of different hells in China lore. Mm -hmm. Jesus
1: Christ, where are we?
2: Hell of the
0: They kind of keep coming up with different hells, and I think it's kind of funny. little, like, reoccurring thing that adds a lot of humor to this film, which already has a shit ton of humor. They're caught, they're bound and gagged, and they're taken to go see Lopan. We meet not the person who was run over from a truck. We meet this feeble, disgustingly-looking old man. (laughs) He mentioned something about being, like, 2,000 years old or whatever, and so he looks very disgusting. And the makeup job, this film did a very good job with the makeup, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, really great practicals. That's where, like, James Hong delivers one of the best lines of the movie. He sees Gracie Law and Eddie Lee, and I think Margo, and they're at the headquarters at the front desk, and he just goes, Who are these people? Friends of yours, huh? Now, that really pisses me off to no end. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that line is just hilarious from this guy. You've seen his uh, gigantic nine-foot immortal self, and now his, like, twisted, grizzled flesh self and he's just like a, a hilarious old man.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> completely ridiculous Yeah, and he just kind of explains that his whole premise is he has this curse put on him by... Ching Dai. Yeah, Ching mm-hmm. Dai, the demon. To lift the curse, he has to marry a, a woman with green eyes who can withstand holding the burning blade and kind of go through this whole wedding ceremony kind of thing. But as you mentioned, Gracie and Margo and Eddie show up. They end up getting gassed. They're, everybody's kind of like taken out right now. Jack and Wang ended up being blindfolded and put into a room. I love how Kurt Russell tips himself over. He makes his way out of his chair. He's just always clumsy. (laughs) Whatever he's doing, he's always clumsy.
1: Yeah, every plan he has just ends up in the most stupid possible (laughs) manner
0: thunder comes into the room thunder one of the storms that just gassed margo and gracie and eddie jack who is untied each of them at this point jumps on thunder's back and like with his little boot knife that he keeps kind of bringing back is threatening to kill him we get a little bit of a setup what one of thunder's powers is that he can expand inflate inflate yes (sighs) he inflates himself which we get a lot more of later he inflates himself enough that jack flies off and lands on this wheelchair and goes down this fucking ramp it's a funny scene it's not all that ridiculous but it stops with jack almost falling down to this pit really the thing that i think what makes this movie such a big cult classic that people want to come back to because they do such a good job at the humor
1: good god that's why i've seen it at least 50 times i call it a decision movie because Mm -hmm. occasionally i'll go through my queue on something or i'll go through my dvds it's like yeah i'd like to watch this again but if it's on television if i just pass it or see it on the guide i'm like there we go. You know, there could be twenty minutes left, and am like, there it is. <laughs> That's
0: probably why I liked it less watching it for this podcast, only because yeah. I had to go down and break it down. You know, writing shit down, taking my notes, mm-hmm. and this isn't a movie I want to take notes on. This is yeah, a movie is I just it. want to sit back, have a beer, and fucking enjoy.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. This this isn't Mon Uncle. So, I mean, it's you know, it's <laughs> it's
0: the It's like the Bicycle Thief. Yeah, Italian neo realism kind of shit. Exactly. Uh, no, this is this is this is simple simple shit. Yeah. and But it's fun. It's fun shit.
1: Oh, God. I mean, this mo- I mean, this movie is amazing. I think I remember more about this movie and just the characters and the setups and all that than I remember of any of my doctoral study, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud to t- 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 times just looking at people going, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. And they're like, what? Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, what also gets me is that the the humor is not necessarily rooted in the '80s. Anytime mm-hmm. I think there's too many jokes that are topical to the era that it's in, if it's older, it it just doesn't land as well anymore. But if they're yeah. kind of timeless jokes or anything that's non-specific, you could probably take this movie and put it in almost any timeline between the '70s and now, and it could almost work because it's not so topical that you can't root it at as oh, this is definitely an '80s movie, other than kind of the way it's shot, mm-hmm. the way it looks you can definitely say okay this is definitely movie but I mean like if you just read the script you probably could <laughs> set it in almost any time and it would be fine. We're back in the film and Jack and Eddie and Wang they escaped.
0: They've gotten away from Thunder. They're now trying to release all the women that have been stolen and so they try to distract these female guards in this female prison area honestly this is the worst fighting in the entire film (laughs) i don't know if you if you guys actually like looked at the fighting of these guards with eddie and wang it's bad like it's just it's bad fighting i I just kind of like really looked at it and i was like this needs some extra choreography this needs some extra shit for sure yeah
1: it could use a little extra to make it a little more dynamic yeah Yeah.
0: but i mean what what helps it to it is jack sneaks a different way and so you get his humor with gracie as they're trying (laughs) to all escape Margot, who's you know the this other character, just unnecessary, but she's just so naive. That's what I kind of like. Mm-hmm. I would say Jack, Gracie, all of the white people are so naive in this <laughs> film. Like, it's completely. Like, it's, it's another fun thing about this film
2: is it it doesn't, it doesn't give white people a pass.
1: No, <laughs> right. it, it really, really doesn't. That is very enjoyable.
2: And that was one of the reasons why Dennis Dunn agreed to do the film. He said he had never seen Asian characters portrayed in this way at the time. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they were the heroes. They were the knowledgeable ones. And so that was something that really interested him in taking the part. Mm -hmm. All of the Chinese characters seem to know everything about this world,
0: or at least know enough. And all the white people are just kind of fucking bumbling their way through (laughs) it, getting, getting lucky, honestly.
1: One of the things I like from that dynamic is Gracie Law sort of acts like she does know what's going on. And she clearly doesn't, where Kurt Russell is just clearly like... I have no idea what's happening. I just <laughs> yeah, want yeah. my money. I kind of, like, love that dichotomy. Jack
0: springs Gracie and Margo and the other kidnapped women, and they all have to, like, jump into this pool of water and in, in this tunnel, and they all kind of escape. But as they're trying to escape. They do run into the Wing Kong gang down there. We get some fighting. Jack does a good job. He actually, like, even though Jack fucks up a lot, he typically starts off by killing people with his gunfire. Like, mm-hmm. he shoots some people, and then he's just like, oh shit, his guns needs to go reload it because <laughs> he goes and does that. Then then we get Wang kicking everyone's ass by hand, which is just kind of fun. So, like, Jack, the only way that he actually beats anybody is mm-hmm. by shooting them with a the gun. When it comes to hand-to-hand shit, he almost at everything except for the one thing.
1: (laughs) The best thing about that scene is like at the end Dennis Dunn Wang Chi is kicked everybody's ass and Kurt Russell just comes out and he's got the knife in one hand and the the (laughs) machine gun (laughs) And and he just goes Ha! And the best thing about it is he's wearing that tank top that looks <laughs> yeah. like the tank tops you got in the mall where they just did the iron on of the <laughs> Japanese red sun and the characters and the and the um, ninja and the line. I'm just like, God, that is so tragic. There is nothing cool about this guy. He's <laughs> just like he's wearing a mall tank top for God's sake. He's lost the drug rug and he's into uh, that. And I just, I just love that. That image is just so good. He's so
0: dumb and funny that <laughs> I. Do
1: like him, but yeah. I, you know I can't help but like him. He's that guy in your group of friends where people go, "Why do you hang out with him?" And you have no explanation. He's yeah. just been around. He's he's charming. Just leave him alone. You'll you'll get used to him. And that's that's what he reminds me of. I feel like that was me, <laughs> <laughs> and when my group of friends thinking about it, I'm like, "Oh no, it's totally me." So I mean, like, yeah, I
0: feel like a lot of people just had to put up with me.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was it, I was totally me. I can totally okay. relate. They end up escaping,
0: and as they're all escaping. They the building we get my least fucking favorite character we see these eyes swap out <laughs> in the statue and we get this Random fucking monster arm grabs Gracie as they're leaving. There's plenty of like weird monsters in this film. They just kind of come out of nowhere. I don't think some of them were needed. I feel like it was just John Carpenter being like, hey, this is a John Carpenter film. I have to add this shit. I I just needed like the the Chinese sorcery and all that stuff works. Yeah. How all that stuff worked out pretty well. And then obviously he just kind of carpentered everywhere and he was just (laughs) like, oh, no, 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 no. We have to have this weird fucking Sasquatchy monster and then this weird eyeball fucking monster and then we'll go over these other monsters but it's just like well, it's, the it's first a, one it's like, it it's doesn't like, make any goddamn sense
1: i know it's like i remember i watched it before i left for ecuador was one one more time yeah when i saw the monsters like when did this turn into dungeons and dragons all of a sudden yeah. I mean, i've never <laughs> yeah i yeah. just sort of accepted it for years why did why is this happening what are the hit point values i mean oh but boy. The
0: monster, I guess, you know, works works with Lopan. It took Gracie to its his lair and chains her up and the storms come in and Lopan comes in. And here they notice that Gracie Law also has green eyes. Not just Miao Yin, but also Gracie Law. And so he is uh, he's going to just go ahead and marry them both.
1: He's going to sacrifice Gracie and marry Miao Yin.
0: Part of his stipulation is after he marries the girl, he has to sacrifice her to appease the demon. But now that he's got two of them, mm. fuck it. He can keep one for himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not bad. I get I get that. He used math to his advantage there. <laughs> Wang and Egg and Jack, they're getting together with the good gang. They are going to go take on Lopan and the storms. Go down into like this yeah. back alley sewer-ish area because, you know, they want to go save Gracie and save Miao Yin. We see the start of this Burning Blade ceremony. We get the start of these demonstrations from the storms. I never really understood this section of the film. It's just part of the wedding demonstration and the Burning Blade shit, but you get thunder using his i don't even know what those weapons are that he's holding uh, it's
1: weird those are actually chinese halberd heads that he's turned into knives those should be on the top of a huh. chinese halberd which is weird
0: yeah, that makes way okay. more sense. That does look much more like, yeah, it's beyond on like the end of a spearish kind yeah. of thing.
1: The only thing from being like a martial arts nerd that I think the reason why, you know, you've got Thunder and then you've got Rain doing his is I think one is a style from the north and I think one is a style from the south. I think that's why. Otherwise, that's cool. I just think it's silly. <laughs> Part of the, the fanfare of the mm-hmm. wedding, honestly. That's cool. I, I'm
0: going to choose to hope that that's the case. Yeah. That you get north and south.
1: I love this movie so much I'm making excuses for it. Okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah in the ceremony, or in the Burning Blade ceremony, both Gracie and Miao Yin survive the Burning Blade. They've passed that test, and so Lopan will for sure be marrying both of them. We're gonna go back into the tunnel, this underground area, to get Mm -hmm. to the trading company. Out of fucking nowhere, we get this big-ass bug monster (laughs) that ends up, like, eating a guy. Like, what the fuck was the point of that? (laughs) Again, it was just John Carpenter. I I didn't need it. I guess it added just like the, hey, this is a dangerous journey that you're on. The monsters, all the monsters can go.
1: It's like there's this crescendo. Of of Jack Burton basically becoming the audience in all of his responses. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what? Yeah. What will come out no more? And we're all like, Yeah, what the hell was that? And it was like, he we're just as clueless as Jack Burton is at this point.
0: Yeah, he's he is the voice of the audience. I like that a lot.
1: I like that I like the setup before that scene because that's that's where they all meet up. Egg Shen gives Kurt Russell this gun. He's like, hey, hey, you like real dirty fucking hairy. And he's like, he's totally making fun of him being white. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of great.
0: <laughs> they sneak into like this back room of Lopans company or Lopan's building here we get their potion the magic potion that that Mm. egg pulls out as they're kind of like walking around getting ready they see this fucking another weird goddamn monster the eyeball floating guardian that is just floating around but this one at least makes a little bit more sense because it acts as like a seeing eye for Lopan and anything that it sees Lopan can see so Lopan knows that they're there
1: I'm telling you it's the crescendo because Kurt Russell just goes oh no what is that what is that and we're all like the audience going, yeah, know, what the hell is that? What
0: <laughs> the fuck is that? I think... The, the graphics on that guy still looked... It, it, it holds up. If it was just like, you know, a, a shitty floating CG thing, it would have looked really bad. Honestly, like, it still looked good enough to me. I mean, yeah. it didn't look ridiculous enough to pull me out of the film. It just looked like it was ridiculous, like as if, what the fuck? Then we get a very short but fantastic scene. They all drink this potion. Here's to
2: the army and navy and the battles they have won.
0: Yes. Here's to America's colors. The colors that never run.
2: May the wings of liberty never lose a feather.
0: Ah. And they're taking the elevator down to get kind of prepped before they do the fight. And as they go down, it's just they're talking about how good they feel. I feel pretty good.
2: <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not scared at all. I just feel kind of, feel kind of invincible. Me too. I got a very positive attitude about this. Good,
1: me too. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about that
0: scene. I've always loved that scene.
1: It takes the seriousness out of usually every setup. When, you know, group of people are going to fight other people, there's this seriousness to it. And there's the music, the swelling, the getting the weapons ready. And they're just kind of like, I feel pretty good. You feeling good? I'm feeling good. It's like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, when they when they should all be like shitting themselves oh, yeah. when they're going against these monsters and Lopan, who is immortal. One you know, of the
1: guys got eaten by a giant worm for god's sake yeah
0: exactly but they're feeling pretty good they're feeling pretty good it's just a lot of fun we're at the wedding ceremony, and Lopan has this gigantic fucking needle that he's got to stick through Miao Yin's arm. He calls it the needle of love. And he no. always liked that. It was the needle of love, and it's like this fucking 12-inch <laughs> monstrous needle that he stabs her in the wrist, and it's the needle of love.
2: That sounds like something a nerd would call his penis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> so he's he's doing that. The wedding is kind of going on, and we see it's kind of starting to work. That Lopan, he's starting to have some blood on his fingers, and He's mm-hmm. becoming flesh. And, and Egg Shen, they, they end up busting in. Weird eyeball monster sees them again and lets Lopan know that they are now here at the wedding. We get a whole battle that's starting. Egg Shen wants them to kind of wait for the wedding to be done so Lopan will be flesh and so he can be killed, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of fucking sense, uh, which I always thought was kind of weird. Like, Lopan, I know he was cursed, but he was immortal. Is he also going to be immortal after he's flesh? Or not? Yeah, I that t-
1: yeah. to me, that was never really made clear it's just like so he's not going to be immortal anymore i'm not seeing the advantage
0: whatever at the beginning of this battle another classic jack burton idiocy moment he shoots his gun up <laughs> into the fucking ceiling and he knocks himself fucking out what a like doofus like this guy is just stumbling over himself at every moment but i think that's partly why he's lovable he tries to fail honestly it's like he's almost <laughs> fucking up on purpose but he still gets it done and you kind of like him he's just he's kind of fun and he's but he's got the ego the entire goddamn time
1: they're trying to set him up to do the classic action movie things and he just Ends up looking absolutely stupid and out of place.
0: So we have the battle going on. Wang, our real hero, he ends up fighting Rain in like this big sword bite. They kind of have Mm -hmm. a lot of wire work going on, jumping back and forth. And it's kind of cool, honestly. I mean, it's not amazing, but... It was fun. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. It ties in with the humor, just the way that they do it as well. Mm -hmm. We get Egg Shen and Lo Pan doing this magic battle. I love how lopan he like puts his two coke nails together like <laughs> <Yeah. his pinky laughs> nails. he nails, like puts yeah. those and he shoots out this magic beam and then i love it he uses his thumbs like a fucking video yeah, game controller exactly and it's just it's hilarious and his laugh his little like ridiculous lopan freaky laugh yeah <laughs> He's awesome. I can't hate Lopan because he's so no. silly.
1: Then they create the giant warriors that are fo- fighting each other. And then there's yes, a beam. The fu-
0: they're warriors fighting. Yeah, action.
1: Yeah, I just thought the interpretation of the magic was really fun.
0: Yeah, it, it worked. You
1: know, we've been set up to expect anything and they do this. And I'm like, okay, that's fun.
0: I'm trying to equivalent a movie nowadays to this one. The thing that got in my head was Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of ridiculousness to that film. There's a lot of just random shit that kind of comes out of nowhere or some like even like some of the magic stuff you can expect anything but Mm -hmm. it's just so much fun fun like I love that film yeah Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's not like a one-to-one comparison and I don't know why it just got in my head like that but I feel like that kind of has a lot of similarities even Scott Pilgrim I mean he's not fucking Jack Burton by any means but he is just like an idiot who just kind of like stumbles across all this random shit he kind of like goofs his way through it
1: yeah no that's that's really good I never thought of it that way but that's uh, that's that's kind of smart points for you there speezalicious yay I said a thing is like another thing (laughs) good for me (laughs) let's
0: get back to the fight and we get the big ass stupid hairy monster again shows up. By the way, that's the only
2: one of the monsters that's actually rooted in Chinese mythology. Oh, okay. There's not a big eyeball thing? No. Or the
0: the bug thing? The bug thing they've
2: modeled after an anglerfish, which is the one that has the light, but this is uh, modeled after something called the urine, which is a sort of like an ape-like... I guess that's like their Bigfoot. All the monsters are really just in there for, like, shock value
1: and... I thought that monster was in there for just a gratuitous nut shot. There's, like, this...
0: (laughs) The sexual tension and kind of, like, the romantic... story between gracie and jack that kind of goes on a little bit throughout more often than not in a film where there's just like only two white people they're gonna have the white people get together Mm -hmm. and i think that's just kind of like stupid but for some reason in this film just how ridiculous they are i feel like their relationship works and probably because it doesn't work out at the end it works even better like i just for some reason i like their relationship like they are both so dumb that (laughs) that 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 yeah they kind of work together.
1: It would be very unsatisfying if they got together, yeah.
2: But you do sort of get a developing relationship between Margot and Eddie Lee. True.
0: Eddie, even though he seems to know some stuff, he's also kind of like quiet and shy-ish and Margot is kind of also standoffish and quiet. So for some reason, they work as a couple quite a bit. Anyway, here we get Wang. He comes in. They all end up fighting with Lopan and Thunder. Wang pops in to kind of help them out. We're getting close to the end of the film, but here we have Lopan's death where we have Jack trying to be a hero he throws his knife, misses terribly. Mm-hmm. Lopan, at this point, is flesh. The wedding is done. He is fully flesh. And so Lopan throws the knife back at Jack in his reflexes. We mm-hmm. get the line again after this. It's all on the reflexes where he grabs the knife in midair and throws it right into fucking Lopan's skull, the center of his brain, which is a fantastic throw. This is the mm-hmm. most heroic thing that Jack does the entire film. Yeah. And it's also like one of the only times that he does something good hand-to-hand combat-wise. I always thought it was kind of strange. Like Lopan's not like the final boss, but like he's done. Lopan's dead mm-hmm.
1: now. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much over.
0: Yeah, we still have thunder and lightning to deal with. Lopan is is out of it. Mm-hmm. Here we're getting to the end of the battle. Thunder sees that... His master is dead. He decides to do the Japanese version of Harry Carey of he expands himself to ridiculous portions.
1: (laughs) The cool thing about that scene is like, you know what old Jack Burton says? And he says, who? Wang Chi comes in and then it's like, it's not a fight between like Jack Burton and Thunder. It's like, it's just Dennis Dunn running away from Thunder the entire time. And he's just smashing crap. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You see that in the background. It's awesome. Yeah, Thunder's going nuts. He's going crazy. He's just trying to go
1: crazy. That's where he decides to commit balloon- balloonicide. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never liked that. I don't understand why he would kill himself.
1: It was a cry for help. It was an anger issue. It was a cry for help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then we still have Lightning to deal with, who... Lightning, in my opinion, he looked the coolest. Mm-hmm. He was the coolest. He had the best power set. He was the, the badass one. Out of the three badass storms, he was the scorpion of that group. Like He was the, the coolest.
2: We talked about this when we talked about Mortal Kombat, how... Sang was modeled after Lo Pan. Mm-hmm. Raiden was modeled after the three storms. Well, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Like the hat was similar enough. For Raiden, they used the much more traditional mm-hmm. uh, farmer hat. Yeah. The character was pretty much modeled after Lightning and Thunder, mm-hmm. those three guys. Yes. But Lightning is being imposing, shooting
0: his lightning everywhere, comically showing off his skills. As everybody's trying to escape up these holes in the ceiling, Egg Shen ends up dropping a fucking statue on Lightning's head. And so he's gone. Yeah. So everybody is dead. They find Jack's truck through the door. They get the truck back. They get the girls back. Everything is wrapped up. They get out of there. And now we're just kind of wrapping up the film. You know, Wang finally pays up the money at the end with an extra bonus for Jack. Yep. So Jack gets his money finally. His story is done. He walks away from Gracie. They don't end up together. He doesn't kiss her goodbye. And I like that.
1: I didn't. Yeah. It,
0: it, yeah. it fit really
1: well. The thing that always was weird to me too. He's walking out. and he, Does he have like a saddle bag on his yeah, shoulder? Yeah, he, did. he has something. It's like. it <laughs> does exactly what I it was is. I was like, where was the horse? What is this? He's got a saddlebag.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it's a tie-in, as John put it. Like, yeah. This was a Western, and they, probably, yeah. they just kind of kept a lot of those Western themes. Chinatown Western. He's the stranger that comes into town <laughs> and leaves. But yeah, it was definitely a saddlebag. <laughs> I was like, what? And Jack leaves on the Pork Chop Express, kind of talking to the CB. For some goddamn reason, we get this stupid sewer monster yeah. on his truck as just like a little extra John Carpenter, like, what's going to happen now? Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, it's just, <laughs> I didn't like that. I didn't need that. It could have just finished with him going off into the distance. I want to talk about the song that plays at the end of the credits. Do we have to? <laughs>
1: you can feel the wind.
0: That is a piece of trash fucking song. I mean, I've seen this movie, like most people, lots of times. Lots of fucking
1: times. At least through the uh, Yeah, exactly.
0: I've, I don't even remember that one it's co- it's completely like removed from my brain and so when I was listening to it like writing up my final notes on the film I was just like what the fuck
1: is that piece of shit <laughs> it was so bad I only sat through it in the theaters the first time just to yeah. see if there was like a little extra bit at the end or something like that possibly one of the most painful experiences I've ever had yeah. <laughs> aside from like long road trips with my parents and they, they were listening to only AM radio <laughs> gut-wrenchingly terrible singer songwriter and pop
0: Biddle I would love to hear just your overall thoughts about Big Trouble in Little China.
1: This film is this little bub. It has so many problems, but you can't help but love it. I just love the hell out of this film because I feel as displaced and goofy as Jack Burton himself. I have no idea what's going on, but my God, is this fun. That's how how I have always looked (laughs) at this film. That's why I don't care what's wrong with it. I just absolutely Love it.
2: John? I love this film. Yeah. This is one of those films I could watch over and over again. I think the campiness of it helps the yeah. movie. It works with the humor. The humor, I, as I kind of mentioned before, I think is timeless. I don't know if I could ever really say anything bad about this film. I just, I love it. Okay, so much.
1: idea, idea. Just like a Christmas story we call TNT and they run it for 24 hours on Chinese <laughs> New Year. 24 hours straight yeah. on Chinese New Year every year.
0: Absolutely fucking yeah. I'd love it. I'm with you guys. It's a three way of love. <laughs> this film is. Just a fun... I, I can't think of a better three-way. It's just good. It's not good. Yeah. It's not, The thing is, it's not. Like, when I really look at it, it's got issues. Boy, does this film have issues, but... I don't really care about them. It's it's stupid. It's campy. I let all that shit slide because it's fun. Yeah. And it's silly and it works. When I was watching it, my wife was kind of sitting by me. She hated it. <laughs> she was just like, she. I don't think she's watched the whole thing. And it's a film you have to have a certain type of humor to really appreciate. Yeah. To me, it kind of ties a little bit into The Big Lebowski. Like, The Big Lebowski, yeah. it has some problems. You know, that film mm. is not a perfect film, but it's so ridiculous that it works. And this one is very much in that same kind of camp doesn't wrap up the lawyer thing that happened at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Shit comes out of nowhere for no fucking reason. Yeah. Some of the stuff is just super coincidental, but it all works. And it's such a fun film.
1: Fuck yeah. There aren't very many people that I know who will do the classic, like Citizen Kane. How many times have people said, you know, that's mm-hmm. the perfect movie? I just find yeah. it a chore to go back and watch it. <laughs> and it's not that I think You made me watch that shit in school. I, yeah. No, I didn't make you watch that. <laughs> Trust me. I You know me. I'm like, I'm okay. the guy, I'm the Professor, I will not make you watch Citizen Kane. It's one of those things that's like, yes, it's a brilliant film and all that, but it's just such a chore to sit down and watch it. Yeah. And there are so many films that are very good and close to what we call perfection. But movies like this have the filmmakers' heart in it, the technical teams, in it. you know, everybody's bought into making this the best that they can, even though it's not going to be great, it's not going to be perfect. You feel it, mm-hmm. and it's not hard to watch, in my opinion. It's just not. Yeah. It was It was much
0: harder for me to not just sit back and enjoy the stupidity yeah. compared to having to like dissect it. This is not a movie I want to really dissect. You can, right. and you can get some stuff out of it, but do I want to? No. I just want to sit and enjoy Jack Burton being a fucking idiot. Right. I mean, okay,
1: <laughs> I know. Label me a heretic. Burn me in the square. I've never seen the Goonies, but I think that's one of the- <laughs> Yeah, you are. You're a fool. Just put my head on a pike. I think that's one of the things about that movie. Yeah, you know, it's got a lot of problems, but I just love it because there's something yes. that it just yeah. hits and it's easy to watch. Like I said, yep. Monster yep. Squad is my Goonies.
0: That is our
2: breakdown
1: of Big Trouble. Big Trouble
2: in little <laughs> China. By the way, I'm uh, I'm disturbed that you can't think of a better three-way. <laughs> oh, oh
0: no! Come on, John. You, me, and Biddle. All right. Now we are going to talk about the extremely little-known show. The Master from 1984. It lasted all of one season. It had 13 episodes. And I had never heard of this fucking thing before. And I know John had neither. No, I had not. This was Biddle's choice. This
1: was your pick. <laughs> and you explained to us earlier. If we were going to do like 80s, this blast from our past. First of all, what would, <laughs> yes. what would go along with the absurdity of Big Trouble in Little China? The first thing I thought of was The Master. Actually, that was not the first thing I thought of. I just didn't want to torture you. Do you, do you guys know the actor Joe Penny? Not by name, no. He was on a show in the 80s called Riptide. He has been on Days of Our Lives. He's done some work on CSI Miami. Okay, when I was a kid, I don't know how you guys remember television, but it wasn't good. <laughs> what, they, what they would occasionally have is they'd have a night right before the season started or just before the summer to see if they were going to go into production or something. I don't remember the complete history. There was usually some kind of like mini movie, like a two-hour movie. And then you'd be mm-hmm. able to see it There was actually a Wonder Woman oh. A very bizarre like, version Of Wonder Woman Like not not Linda Carter? No it was before Linda Carter and that was supposed to do it and then everybody's like I don't know what that is but that's not Wonder Woman but Joe Penny okay Italian American guy they debuted this on CBS I believe it was it was called Samurai Lawyer by by Day Samurai Warrior (laughs) by Night in San Francisco
0: (laughs) God, wow yeah I see that on his credit from 1979 like holy it clearly
1: never went to series but I remember like watching it and just going what the fuck is this? You know, later on you get the master. I think it came from the big Shokusugi ninja phase that America went through in the 80s. Yeah. and like Shokusugi was like the only ninja anybody knew.
0: Shokusugi, he's in the master. It starred Lee Van Cleef. Most people know him from The Good, the Bad, Ugly. and the Ugly. But mm-hmm. um, he also played Hawk in Escape from New York. Yeah. The other actors. Shokusugi plays his former
1: ninja apprentice who's trying to kill him. The entire time. Wasn't the premise of the show Lee Van Cleef finds out he has this daughter in America and he yes. has to leave the ninja troop and then everybody's really mad at him and shogasugi has gotta go kill him cause can't
0: have That's exactly it. So I watched episodes 1 and 2 or something but yeah <laughs> uh, that's exactly it. So he is a World War 2 veteran He's an American veteran who stayed in Japan after World War 2 and he became a ninja master. Mm-hmm. He then leaves for the US to search for his daughter that he didn't know he had. All of the the ninja ninja boy scout troop or whatever you want to call them they were not happy his ninja clan and so uh, Shokusugi, who plays Okasa I think is his character's name goes around trying to kill Lee Van Cleef the entire time whose name is John McAllister in this show he meets this guy Max Keller in the first episode and kind of takes him on as his new ninja apprentice
1: Timothy Van Patton man
0: Yes, Timothy Van Patten, who, actually not a bunch of good acting credits, but this guy is a very strong TV director. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. Timothy Van Patten has directed episodes of The Wire, Touched by an Angel.
1: Game of Thrones, he recently did a lot of episodes of Game of Thrones.
0: Also Boardwalk Empire, and he did episodes of The Sopranos, Mm -hmm. so a lot of HBO stuff. He's obviously one of the top TV directors right now. You know, I guess he used that ninja training for good use.
1: I will say this, you can talk trash about all of his acting, but not Zone Troopers. Mm -hmm. Not Zone Troopers. Zone Troopers, not ever. (laughs) That is like one of the great practical effects movies of all time. Zone Troopers. Zone Troopers, Tim Thomerson, a staple in like crazy films of that time. Him and I think Art LaFleur. And it's about these guys in World War II that find a space alien and somebody punches Hitler. It's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> you, you, You've got to wow. see it. Timothy okay. Van Patten is great in that. That's his best acting ever.
0: I am going to put this on a list to watch. Absolutely. So this show, it's kind of an action adventure show where most episodes you get McAllister and mm-hmm. Keller going around searching for his daughter but more, more often than not they get sidetracked. They end up helping random people.
1: It's like they they rewrote the Hulk, the Bill Bixby the Hulk. Yeah. ends up in towns, helps people and then disappears. Except the Hulk is a
0: old ninja guy who's an old guy from Jersey. This show, they even drove around a van that had a pretty similar paint job to the A-Team. Mm-hmm. The A-Team came out this exact same year. It almost has the exact same premise where it's a veteran who goes around helping people, but where they have team dynamic, it's just Lee Van Cleef and a ninja dynamic. I can see why it got cancelled. I mean, oh, it's yeah. just, it's not <laughs> near Really as good as <laughs> some of the other ones that did it. I found it quite boring. <laughs> I wanted to get through two full episodes. I made it like over halfway through the first episode and was just like, oh my god, I'm falling asleep. And then I skipped to the next episode and made about like 10 minutes and I was like, alright, fine, I get my fucking point. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm
1: not, I don't. It reminds me of the throwaway scenes in Family Guy where Peter's watching Uncle Vanya and he goes, God, somebody throw a pie or something. <laughs> that, that, that was just this show. <laughs> somebody hit somebody. Uh, I actually made it through three whole episodes.
2: Brave man. Holy
0: shit, John. Like, you only got ten more to go. You're a quarter of the way there. This
2: show actually had, surprisingly, who would become well-known guest stars on it. Like, the pilot episode had Demi Moore in it. True. Um, And then I watched two other episodes, one of which had Brian Tochi in it, who you may not recognize his face. Most know him as the voice of Leonardo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1990. And then I also saw one that had, I think it's David McCollum from the original Man from Uncle series. Oh, Oh, yeah. Who who is now on uh, one of my favorite shows, Fuck You, Adam, NCIS.
0: Yeah, terrible show. Piece of trash show. I'm staying out of family fights. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll go back to the show. Uh, It was very A-Team feel. The theme song was so cheesy. Very early 80s, even like kind of a late 70s feel. Mm -hmm. It was
2: very dated.
0: kind of fun. It made me nostalgic because it fit that style. It had like a really cheesy opening title card where like these two ninjas were kind of very slow-mo, terribly fighting each other. That theme song was done by Bill Conti, who we've talked about a couple different times. He did the music for Rookie of the Year Mm -hmm. and Masters of the Universe. He also most famously did the movie Rocky and then also did music for American Gladiators. But this theme song, it just fits so perfectly in that wannabe early 80s cheesy music.
1: Bill Conti was also when Julia Roberts won her Oscar I believe the one she said don't don't you play anything Mr. Baton Man and it's like <laughs> I, I believe he might have more Oscars than you madam. He's done, he's done some good most, shit. Most of the people in the audience know that his name is not Mr. Baton Man.
0: <laughs> this show also had Show Kazuki who was like one of the biggest 80s ninja people as his apprentice. He was in Enter the Ninja wasn't he?
1: Yeah I think if the word ninja was in it he was in it yes. Yeah,
0: Probably yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah I mean another kind of like Kung Fu with David Carey Okay, you can't just give a fucking Asian person the lead. You gotta have Lee fucking Van Cleef. Mm-hmm. He didn't come across as a good ninja to me. It all yeah. really, really bothered me when he put on his whole ninja suit. He had this like ninja medallion that he kept outside of his fucking clothes. Like, okay, you're a ninja. You have to hide in the shadows. What the fuck are you doing with this big goddamn necklace? <laughs> it would reflect. It would also probably make noise. Like, you're a bad fucking
2: ninja, man. At Shokasugi also actually was Lee Van Cleef's body double mm-hmm. for most of the fight. Fight scenes. Some
0: of the fight scenes, particularly like the ninja fight stuff, wasn't badly choreographed. Like it was quick, it, it, yeah. it looked decent. It wasn't all that bad. I give it credit there. The show had a bunch of cheese, it had that use of really bad slow mo, yeah. where they just doubled up and tripled up frames and mm-hmm. made it look really really bad. They only lasted the one season and he didn't find his daughter and nope. so he never finds his daughter. <laughs> That's all I have to say about the show. I <laughs> didn't love it. I'm not going to go watch it. I would be shocked if any listener <laughs> knows this show. <laughs> any of them. So I'm not going to recommend it. Unless you love ninjas. Unless you are just a ninja-holic. There is no reason to check out Master. But what are what are y'all's thoughts between the two of you?
1: I, I think if you have a bad ninja habit and you want to remove ninjas from your life in all ways shape or forms watch the 13 episodes yeah. it's like it's like trains sp- it's like train spotting for getting ninjas out of your life instead of heroin yeah. i mean honestly <laughs> how does nbc make ninjas not cool in 13 episodes the master
2: it was very slow i'm not gonna go so far as to say it was like the worst thing i've ever seen but it's definitely too slow to be a watchable if you love those early 80s old 80s tv shows you could probably suffer through i mean it's only 13 mm-hmm. yeah it... it's not like you have to suffer through multiple seasons
0: i I think this show would have been more successful if it was a 30-minute show rather than the full hour.
2: Yes. Oh, yes. They could
0: have sped through it and condensed it. I probably would have been much more engaged. I so agree. It did not It did not fit as a full hour. Lee Van Cleef is the na- master of nothing. He's, oh, wait, that's a season. Sorry. Never mind. That's our review of The Master. This episode of the Blast Smart Pass podcast is brought to you by Calgon Detergent.
1: How do you get shirts so clean, Mister Lee?
2: Ancient Chinese secret. My husband, some hotshot. Here's his ancient Chinese secret: Calgon. Calgon's two water softeners soften wash water so detergents clean better in hardest water. Calgon helps detergents get laundry up to thirty percent cleaner. We need
1: more Calgon. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Calgon helps detergents get laundry up to 30% cleaner.
2: And now we're going to do our casting portion of the show. We are actually going to recast Big Trouble in Little China. Now, I know there was kind of talks for a while there that they might be doing a sequel or a reboot. Have you heard anything, if that's still going on? According to IMDb, it's in
0: pre-production. It allegedly is still a thing. You probably know it's planning on starring The Rock, which I think is a very interesting choice. I would not put him as my lead, and so he didn't even come into my idea. He's the only name really associated to it. I don't know if John Carpenter is fully on board, if it is happening or not, but it's definitely a rumor.
2: Okay. We're not going to cast everyone from the movie. We're only going to do about five characters. So we're going to do the characters of Jack Burton, Gracie Law, Wang Chi, Lo Pan, and Egg Shen. I think I would like to go ahead and start with our non-hero of Jack Burton. I will let, uh, Adam, I will let you go first.
0: Because Jack Burton is our lead, Kurt Russell was, was a big name, honestly, at this time. I went with a big name actor but like there's plenty of people who i think can play jack burton mm. because just gotta be doofusy you have to have a bit of an ego you don't have to be perfect i went with a guy who i think fits this role pretty damn well he acted side by side with kurt russell in guardians of the galaxy 2 he plays a lot of characters where he's either a doofus or has a giant ego or he's a doofus with a giant ego i went with chris pratt mm. he makes a lot of sense i think he fits as a very comical fun goofball jack Burton.
2: I will admit, Chris Pratt was actually the very first name that popped into my head. Mm-hmm. But I didn't ultimately go with him. Jack Burton is not the pretty boy. He's a little bit more rugged. And that's not to Cur- say... Kurt Russell's a good-looking dude. Come on. All right, I'm not saying he's not a good-looking dude. He's got the rugged good looks. I th- had thought about Chris Pratt, but I was like, you know what? I, I I think I want to go slightly different. Maybe a little bit older. I don't know. I had a hard time thinking of Kurt Russell is younger. Even though he's been a child star since he was like seven. Yeah. So I, went in, I ended up going in another direction with another guy who... Who is known for kind of rugged good looks, even though he's actually a big stage musical theater person. I actually went with Hugh Jackman.
0: Hugh Jackman's like 50, 60 years old now, isn't so, he? So what?
2: You keep talking about age? Like they can't do <laughs> I shit
0: know. about this. Adam? Yeah, they could. Yeah, but like, they, I mean, Adam.
1: <laughs> his name is Huge Jacked. Man, okay, (laughs) this is not a stretch. No, it's not a stretch, but like, I would say 20 years
0: ago, he would have been perfect. I don't know if I like it now. All Mm. right, whatever i have to agree with
1: John I on that it. one. Middle, what, what are your thoughts? I'm old, so all my picks are going to be old, so thank you very much. <laughs> this was really hard. Yeah. When I think of casting, not only do I think of, like, the perfect person, but it's like, well, what kind of vehicle would this be for a certain actor? But I was thinking, <laughs> some of the things I like about Kurt Russell as an actor, he's funny, but he doesn't try to be funny. His characters are funny, mm-hmm. but his characters are also rugged. I I went through a lot of really silly names, and I finally settled on one who I think is a very underrated actor, because he did a television show for a long time, but he can also be incredibly funny, and that was proven this last year on a show called Happy I went with Chris Maloney. He's the guy from Law and Order SVU and Wet Hot American yeah, Summer. Yeah. Yes. You know, I'm gonna go funnel oh, some sweaters. Yeah. I went with him.
0: I haven't seen Happy, so I don't ever see him and think of humor.
1: If you see the show, you will understand why. Because it's kind of like he's in the same ballpark as like John Ham. Because John Ham is funny, but everybody thinks of him from Mad Men. I heard that he and Chris Maloney used to be a comedy team called Ham and Maloney, but I don't know this for sure. <laughs> I don't know that for sure. People would just say, oh, they used to be Hamlet Maloney. I said, you made that up. But um, (laughs) no, I just think one, the guy's jacked. He's been in movies where he's just the dope. And he's just, he's funny. And he can take a punch in a film. He gets the crap kicked out of him all the time. And he keeps coming back, which is kind of like Jack Burton and it's his own damn fault. So that's why I went with Chris Maloney.
2: I love Chris Maloney and a lot of the stuff he does. I'm probably going to take what I'm assuming is going to be Adam's size. I think he's just a little too old. The Big Trouble in Little China is over 30 years old. So you kind of need someone who is almost
0: 30-ish years younger than Kurt Russell. Christopher Maloney is like barely 10 years younger than Kurt Russell. And so it's like, why not just fucking cast kurt russell again and then do a a sequel because like what the fuck what's the what's the point
1: that's not what we're doing here adam we're recasting (laughs) it sounds like you just build a math story problem (laughs) if you're casting big trouble in little china and you need an actor that is 30 years younger than kurt russell (laughs) at what coefficient will you have the perfect actor you know you know what now (laughs) i wish i went
2: to fucking i took math instead of your
0: goddamn class
2: solve for X. Let's move on from this shit. Let's go to our, our only female in this casting, uh, Gracie Law. I'll go ahead and jump in with this one. I had a little bit of a hard time because you gotta find someone who can work well against your Jack Burton, yeah. but can fall for him in the end. And They have to be funny without having to be a comedian. I kind of went around on a few people and I admittedly did this casting kind of quickly. She's been in a lot of comedic roles. She's not necessarily known for being a comedian, but I actually went mm-hmm. with Anne Hathaway. Uh, I don't hate it. I like Anne Hathaway as an actress. I'll take that.
0: (laughs) I like it. I'll give mine before Biddle gives us like a, you know, Betty White or some (laughs) old fucking movie. Thanks a lot for giving it away, Adam. <laughs> yeah, which, Betty, I love Betty White. She would probably be pretty pretty funny. My actress, I guess a similar enough thought process to John, I just kind of ended up going a different route. She's not a comedian, but she's been in plenty of comedic films. She is a very good actress and I've seen her as a blonde in multiple different things. And I didn't need a blonde, but I think it would just kind of fit. I went with Rachel McAdams. Okay. Yeah. She's funny. I think she's good. She's almost very similar enough to Anne Hathaway. Not terribly different acting style, but Rachel McAdams I think could play off of Chris Pratt pretty well, or they would work together yeah. in this film, so.
2: I like your choice just as much as mine.
1: Yeah, I get ready to piss all over this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I went with similar logic. I wanted my Gracie Law to be a little more badass. Maybe throw a few punches so I'll just make this quick I went with Jennifer Garner I don't hate that honestly I'm not
0: gonna shit on that one actually
1: I don't hate that either if you look at her in like 13 going on 30 and a lot of the other roles Mm -hmm. and then you look at her in uh alias you know she could put the two together really well for that role and that's why I just thought you know Jennifer Garner would be great and I haven't seen her on screen in a long time because she's with Batman so
2: (laughs) I like that pick just as much as ours she's got the mannerisms to play the part anyway
0: I don't like her as much as our pick. okay specifically not as much as my pick i'll say uh, of course not. Uh, my pick's the best i'm not <laughs> distraught by that choice i'm not gonna flip over the fucking table and run away screaming
2: all right let's move <laughs> on to uh wang chi played by dennis dunn in the movie it was originally going to be jackie chan oh interesting the producers did not feel like jackie uh, spoke english well enough so they uh. made him change it i think probably made the better choice because i really like what dennis dunn did with the character me too and that's not to say that jackie could not have done something good with it Honestly, they were probably right. I am going to let our guest start this one.
1: I love the character of Wang Chi. He's a complex character. He's badass. And, you know, Adam, I've heard you say, you know, fuck it. This is my movie. I'll cast it any way I want on several shows. (laughs) So I'm going to hold to that mantra. You know, I'm just thinking, who do I want to see in that role that I admire as an actor and as a badass? I went with the Boston badass the son of Grandmaster Sim Mok, Mr. Donnie Yen.
0: Donnie Yen's a really good actor, but he is quite old.
1: <laughs> yeah, he'll be using his walker the entire time, okay? Because, you know, it was just so much of a toss-up between him and, like, Jaden Smith, okay?
0: <laughs> John and I actually just used Donnie Yen not that long ago. We cast him as Raiden in our redo of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, which was dumb uh, as
1: fuck, so there you go. <laughs> I
0: think that was a good casting.
1: Gloves off. <laughs> Wait a minute. I gotta go get some oxygen here real quick and empty my colostomy bag because I'm about to turn oh. fifty. You
0: have to, uh. yeah. Uh. Yes why don't you go ahead and give us your choice then for all the reasons that you know Biddle talked about with Wang Chi he is a badass and he's really the lead Wang Chi is also in my opinion he's the most relatable character Mm -hmm. he seems more human (laughs) than a lot of the other people definitely more than Jack Burton (laughs) honestly so I went with uh, a Korean actor who plays kind of like a bit of an everyman and I also had heard that Dennis Dunn didn't know martial arts before this film that he trained for it so I think I'd probably have to do that with my actor he played Glenn on Walking Dead. Uh, it's Steven Yoon. I think he is a good actor. He's done some comedy stuff, even like in Walking Dead. You know, he is a bit of a comic relief at times. I think he would probably have to learn some of the martial arts, but he's relatable. And I think that's what I liked about Wang Chi.
2: I don't hate, I mean, I love Steven Yoon, so I, I, I don't want to shit yeah. all over, over Steven Yoon. The actor I picked also isn't necessarily known for doing a lot of martial arts movies. He actually is more known for doing dance movies, which can translate on film into martial arts if you, uh-huh. ch- you know, someone who knows how to use their body in choreography can easily be trained for fight scenes. I actually went with an actor named Harry Shum Jr. who was on Glee and he was also in the movie Shadowhunters, The Mortal Instruments. And he was also in the Step Up films, oh, but I'm not going to hold that against him.
0: I don't disagree with your logic there, so I don't I don't hate your,
1: your choice. I
2: think he looks younger than he is because he's got he's what So he's, he's like 35 now. 30
0: he's 35 or 36, and yeah, he definitely looks he looks younger. So I think he could pull that off.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I stepped away from my Jello and nap. I'm back <laughs> now. What happens? <laughs> you kids get off of my lawn. So moving on,
2: let's actually do Egg Shen. I had the hardest time with Egg Shen. He, he
0: looks unique, and that's what's fun about him.
2: Full disclosure, I thought we were recording this a month later. And so <laughs> I had not done any of the casting until an hour and a half before Adam was like, we're recording at 10, right? I had to very quickly do my casting. I had already started watching The Master so I was actually lucky. I had, was caught up with there. I knew the movie well enough that I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. I had a really hard time with this one. I went back and forth on a couple people for Egg Shen because he's older but he's still funny. Briefly I thought George Decay, but I thought no, he's, he's a little too old. I ended up going with someone who I've used before. I used him in Mortal combat. I actually went with Jackie Chan. I thought of him. For Egg Shen, because he has a lot of comedic stuff,
0: and he could add some other like martial arts stuff. So yeah, I don't think that's a terrible choice, honestly. Okay. I went with a, a Chinese actor who actually acted side-by-side side of Donnie Yen in Rogue One. This guy played Bay's Malbus. His name is Wen Jiang. He is the guy who kind of wore the Mandalorian armor. Good actor. He's got a, a uniqueish enough look to him, um, and Egg Shen, it's going to be hard to match the unique look of Victor Wong. He was so interesting, and it, it worked really well. So that's who I went with, Wen
2: I will say this. I had initial choice because I was like, oh, this guy looks the part. He could really do it. And then I found out he doesn't speak English. Oh. Uh, my initial
1: choice was actually Minsek Choi. Oh, Minsek Choi. Yeah, no, that's a great choice.
2: But he doesn't speak English. Well, he would
0: for me because I cast him as my Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat episode, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> so
1: he'd figure it out. <laughs> no, those are, those are two really good choices, actually. I like those. No, those are good. It was interesting because the original... Egg Shen is, yeah, he's, he's unique, he's funny, but he's also supposed to be like mythical and magic and all that. So I was thinking through all these different actors and I finally went, you know what? I'm gonna pull the gender card out of the equation. Oh, and good. believe it or not just from a lot of movies that she's done she has very good range as an actress I went with Michelle Yeoh
0: oh she uh, she's a
2: great actress I actually I really like that I really like that call I think that yeah. might actually be my favorite out of all of these
1: can you speak up this old man can't yeah. hear you what'd you say <laughs> <laughs> thanks appreciate that no I really do she's a good actress
0: yeah. she could pull that mm-hmm. off yeah I'm not gonna shit on that one she's a good actress so good job good job
1: Mr. <laughs> Biddle I was kind of picturing my cast would be more like the Golden Girls so you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. that just oh, makes me think of B. Arthur
0: and now now I can't get I'm just so hard now I can't even stop thinking I remember you thinking about B. Arthur
1: in class and I used to ask yeah. you how to leave So, you know, like... <laughs> Adam are you thinking about B. Arthur again? maybe and so, you know. <laughs> yes <laughs> alright now we'll
2: finally do our big bad Mr. Lopan I will let our guest
1: oh thank you this was was tough Cause you know, if yeah. he wasn't dead, I would have gone. You know, Mako definitely.
0: Yeah, oh, Mako would have been. A, that would have been a good call. Yeah, yeah. Mako. If he wasn't dead, yeah, it's good. Cool. I like it. It's Mako. Well, good to know. We said Mako the entire time in our Sidekicks episode.
2: Well, everyone else I've heard it calls him Mako.
1: Well, it's short for Makoto. Oh, okay. There's a lot of Asian and Asian American actors that could really do this well. And I wanted to go with someone who was known. I don't even have an explanation. I went with someone who acted with Dennis Dunn in an Academy Award winning movie. I went with John Lone. And I went with John Lone because he was in that really terrible The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Oh yeah yeah, I know that movie. (laughs) And he was funny. He was funny but he was also menacing and the guy has great range and he's done a lot of action films and like he was the last emperor. He was Puyi in the last emperor. So I went with him.
2: He has not done anything since 2007.
1: Nope it's Time for a comeback. There you go. <laughs> that's fair. Stranger okay. things have happened. A return to the silver yep. screen for John Lone.
2: Oh, he was Ricky Tan in Rush Hour Two. I can yep. remember that. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I remember
0: him most as. Yeah, from from Rush Hour Two.
2: I don't hate it. I don't. He just
1: yeah, one out of five ain't yeah. bad. You know.
0: Oh, cool. I'll jump in next. Okay. I wanted somebody who is a name, big of enough name, who is a, a Chinese actor, someone who has kind of done comedy. The only problem is the comedy that I saw this actor do was in that really fucking shitty movie dragon ball evolution which was so bad he this guy played master roshi really shitty film but he's a really really good actor and i think he could probably make it work he actually acted side by side with your egg shen with michelle yao in crouching tiger hidden dragon i went with chow yun fat as Milo pan i think he could probably make it that's pretty good he's not as tall and lean as james hong is i think he could probably do it so that's that's
2: That's pretty
1: good choice. I
2: like that. I actually considered Chow Young Fat for Egg Shen. Yeah, I think you could take a lot of actors between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have any common castings between any of us, which no. is kind of a little surprising, actually. I did yeah. not go with uh, Chow Young Fat. I wanted someone who could recreate the just absolute silliness that is Pan, mm-hmm. that craziness, you know, who could do something like that laugh, in my head, there was really only one guy kind of doing it right now, and I went with Ken Jong.
0: <laughs> he's so he's so ridiculous. But so is Lopan. Ken Jong has like that silly, ridiculous laugh that kind of fits with It Lo doesn't kind of fit. It really fits. Lopan is still menacing, and Ken Jong is not menacing at all. Put him in the makeup and find
2: out. Maybe. I don't love it. I don't love it, but maybe. No, it's not maybe. It's the clear choice. <laughs> <laughs> if this is a okay. comedy, it's the clear choice. But... <laughs>
1: Uh, i feel like larry the cable guy would be better i don't i don't know (laughs) oh (laughs)
0: yes fuck both you i'm i'm kind of with biddle i don't think i don't think he works fuck both y'all no i get it i get it but i'm just like i don't i don't know i don't know lopan is he's too important of a character that i don't think ken jong would do it justice he would be a parody you're wrong i'm sorry (laughs) fine Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's, yeah. I'm not talking anymore.
1: Yeah. You can close this yeah. shit out. I'm done. I'm old. I don't need any more friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't need him anymore. I've now got a biddle. Uh, but fuck that guy. He's too old. I'll just do this yeah, shit I'll myself now.
1: I'm going to die soon. What does it even matter? And by the way, Adam. Yep. <laughs> by the way, I got a bone to pick with you. I haven't slept in like 26 hours because I just got back from Ecuador. <laughs> You know what the last Facebook message was that came up in my phone? It was like, James Biddle, RIP, right before I'm getting on the plane. And I'm like, <laughs> what is this Final Destination <laughs> bullshit right now? I was saying RIP to Ann Coates. Yeah, yeah all it was was my name, James RIP. And I'm just sitting there going, and I'm like, I, I, the plane is, the doors are closed. I have to Adam, what are you saying? And uh, And
0: that is our casting of Big Trouble in Little China. Please join us next time for an animal duos episode. We do a breakdown of the 1986 film Milo and Otis and we review the Nickelodeon show, Ren and Stimpy, as well as we recast famous
2: duos from film and TV. If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at blast past cast that's at blast past cast on both facebook and twitter so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time